Hello, and welcome to Potternot, a podcast for new and returning readers with conflicted Harry Potter feelings. I'm Adela, my pronouns are she, her, and I am a, a ta- frustrated fan, tired fan, something in between those two words. I'm Zoe, my pronouns are she, her, and I am a jaded fan. And I am E, my pronouns are she, they, and I am... I, I might just say tired this time. I think the grumpiness <laughs> has worn off. This week, we will dive into the good and the bad of Harry Potter and the Goblet of Fire for the last time. Well, for now. Um, oh. <laughs> yeah, we finished the book. We finished the whole dang book. We sure did. The whole many pages long book. Yes. To remind people, this book is in the American edition, 734 pages. And I believe in the British edition, it is also 700 something is it six and seven or five and seven that are longer uh no five four and five are the two longest six and seven are shorter Ooh, five is the absolute longest it is yeah it's five in the british edition it is 815 pages i believe i don't know why six or seven seven longer longer. seven is longer than six but only by like a few pages yeah five seven four six three two one Anyway. <laughs> anyway, here we go. That's not a ranking. No. It's <laughs> extremely not a ranking. Big thoughts. thoughts. Big thoughts. Overall thoughts. I want to get Zoe's thoughts. Mine's going to be the shortest and the most positive. When we, yeah, because when we were going into this book. I was jazzed. You were so jazzed. Like, this is the top of your ranking as of last time. Yeah. <laughs> still? We'll see if that's still true by the end of this episode. Yeah, um, I'm I'm currently trying to decide what's going to happen with that. You know, this might be after book one, my most read book. And I love it. It was bad. And <laughs> it was broken. And, you know, never in all of my years of reading and rereading these books, did I ever think about how Moody as Crouch is so broken. Right, or Crouch is Moody. Never did I think about that until Julia texted me on, and I know this because we were just talking about where to put this question. Julia texted me on December 10th, 2020, and said, how much of Moody's teaching is Moody and how much is Crouch? And we'll talk about that question in a bit. And I was like, oh, oh, I've never thought about that before. I've never thought about how he was such a good actor. I've thought about little bits and pieces of it, but my goal when reading this book was never to analyze it in that way. I've analyzed the Harry Potter books before. I've talked about what I've worked with with book seven and the big independent study I did in college having to do with mothers. But book four was never a subject of analysis for me because it's the lighthearted book. It's the fun book. It's the big sports tournament championship. And you know how much I love reading Quidditch rundowns. Yeah. Um, Sorry to interrupt, my friend who is a fan of this podcast just texted me uh, that she got engaged. So, Oh, oh damn. Yeah. Congratulations. <laughs> Congrats. Congratulations to my friend Lainey and my friends Lainey and Sean for getting engaged. And thank you for submitting questions in book three. I recognize those names. <laughs> yeah. Um. <laughs> Sorry for interrupting. <laughs> no, that's okay. Um, there's so much of this book that echoes through the rest of the series in a way that is sort of remembered fondly. We talked about how the end of this book is the first real downer ending. Yeah. And this is sort of the last, the last happy, overall happy book. And like for good reason, yeah. given the plot. Mm-hmm. But between that and sports, even though it's so broken, it was a pleasure to read. You know... That's a very good point about it being the last happy book, because you're very correct. There are happy moments in the rest of the books, briefly. But a lot more bummers. Yeah. Bummer I mean, town. Voldemort is back, so... Yeah. <laughs> it's not gonna and be great. There are... <laughs> there are series where I just don't bother reading the endings anymore when I reread them. Mm-hmm. If I know they're gonna be bummers. And for a long time... And I mean for a long time, like when five and six were out, but seven was not yet out, when I would do my yearly reread, I would stop after four sometimes. You know, five and six are not the most pleasant 
endings either and for totally different reasons. And so I think of this as like, it looks the biggest because I've paged through it so many times. And I think of it as the biggest because it looms so large in my nostalgic memory. And for me, it's the peak of the series. You know, it is so broken and poorly written (laughs) and the climax with the big gold ball and floating away. I don't care. Yeah. Like I, I do care about treating this text as a text that deserves to be torn apart for its misogyny, for its anti-feminist stances, for its transphobia, for its racism, and for so many other reasons. But the way that we're reading it and the way that we're talking about it as both fans and new readers and looking at it from a nostalgic lens as, as old fans, I don't think there's a way for me to not love this book. No, I totally get that. And so even though I got frustrated on this reread more than I ever have before, and we were reading it very slowly, at the end, you know, I said last episode that I was jaded but satisfied. I mean it. It's hard for me to end this book without feeling like, okay, we've reached the end of this mystery that you didn't know was a mystery, and all of these (laughs) pieces are tied up, and we're going into the rest of the series, but we had this book where we got to have fun, and we got to do sports. And I never thought about it that way because I would always just blow through to the next book I was going to read or book five or whatever. I still loved it. It's more broken than I ever remembered. But my big overall takeaway thoughts are this was still very fun and I really enjoyed it. Adela, how did... I'm happy for you. (laughs) Yeah, because this is a book that was lower for you yeah but not much not by much this my ranking is going to change a lot you will see at the end of this episode I think that it's definitely a factor of reading it very slowly um but it's also just a matter of like actually reading it critically which I've never really read this book critically before it doesn't hold up obviously like Zoe you're you're saying it's bad it's just that you love it I don't love it anymore. That's fair. Yeah. It was bad enough to make me stop loving it. Like, the only thing I love about this book still is the character development. Because the character stuff in this book is, like, with the main characters, is really good. And they are better, like we said at the beginning. Like, Harry's a real person now. They all have, like, more personality than than they had before. And you can see their relationships progressing. But that's the only thing that I like about this book now. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the tasks are fun. The tasks are fun. I'm definitely, like, looking back at it holistically, I'm a lot less, like, actively sour about it than I was in our last few recordings. I still didn't enjoy this book as a whole package. Like... You know, as you're both saying, there's a lot of really good stuff in here. You know, there's good character work. There's, you know, the fun tournament stuff. It just, for me, it's trying to be too many things. Like, there's a tournament book in here, and there's a teens developing into young adults and interpersonal relationships book in here, and there's a world politics suddenly becoming personal book in here and there's an attempt at a mystery there's an attempted mystery book in here and also there's an attempt at like book one harry potter structure in here Mm -hmm. and it doesn't hold together for me i don't know it's hard to evaluate this as a package because it isn't a package Mm -hmm. that's fair had some fun in the middle it completely broke for me by the end. Started out strong, had fun in the middle, broke at the end. I mean, and I don't I don't disagree with either of your takes because I see what you love about it and I enjoy oh, those yeah. parts. And like like I said, don't get me wrong, this book is bad. <laughs> Sometimes you just love a thing that's bad because it was yeah. a, an important part of your life. <laughs> yeah. 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 Well, and because it's fun. It's not good, but it's fun. But it is true that, like, E's point is real. This book is eight different things. 
because JKR didn't have an editor who was brave enough to be like, all right, my friend. Pick three. (laughs) Yeah. But it is also true that I think that's one of the reasons that I like it, is that it is, you know, after three books of school, 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 big dramatic ending. So this came out in in 2000. I'm 10. I think of myself as like older than when I started reading these books. You know, I started reading these books when I was eight. So like I felt like a little more grown up and I was like, all right, I'm ready for like something different now. Yeah. And this gave me that in a way that I think even on reread now, I get through the first three books and I'm like, well, these are frustrating because the same thing is happening and it doesn't make any sense and you get to book four and i think that one of the things that actually does make sense is like voldemort's plan takes a really long time to come together and it happens to happen and it is planned to happen not at finals but the end of the triwizard tournament and Mm -hmm. so there's like a different structure to the reasoning behind things which i really like That's a good point. The f- The fourth book might be the only one where it actually makes sense for the big climax to happen at the end of the school year, because it had to happen at the end of the tournament. Whereas all of the other books, it's just like, oh, this happens to be when the mystery got solved. This happens to be when this event happened. It just so like, happens to be finals week. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I think that especially in books one, two, and three, where it is this much more simplistic British school mystery which is mm-hmm. the formula that she ran with at the start of the series, it gets a little wearing and frustrating. And then book four is like, oh, it's something different. And then even though you return to the form in the next book, it sort of doesn't matter as much because you've seen something different. And I feel like it, it does set a different tone. So, I'm, yeah, you know, there's, I mean, there's some positives. I appreciate the ambition of this book. Yeah. It didn't work for me. And I don't think it worked as... It's not a coherent book. Right. But I appreciate the attempt. And I like the idea of a lot of the things that are in here. Yeah, absolutely. Should we dive into our questions? We should dive into our questions. Yeah. I will start with Julia's because Julia texted me. This was like pretty early on in our reading of the book. So Julia says, how much of Moody's teaching is Moody and how much is Crouch? And Zach says, basically, just please explain all the things we didn't say out loud because we didn't want to spoil E, just to make it clear what it is that we were trying to say because we made it obscure on purpose and that's not particularly fair. What we were trying not to say is exactly what Julia's question is, is the big brainworm is that Moody is not Moody. He is (laughs) Barty Crouch Jr. in disguise as the best actor in the world. And... When Julia texted me this, it like blew my mind. Like I just said, sort of like I, I never really thought about this in depth before. How much of Moody is Moody and how much is Crouch? The answer, of course, being that it's all Crouch, except when it's narratively convenient for it to be Moody. Like when Moody is being kind to Neville. Yes. I was going to say, if you take the text at face value, it's all Crouch. Right. Mm-hmm. But if you take it in, which one is the outside perspective? Which one's the inside perspective? Doyleist and- Doyle is outside. No, if you take it from the Doyleist perspective, then it's J.K.R. setting up Moody, right? Yeah. And if you take it from the other perspective, then it's Crouch is an amazing actor and was like really skilled at interrogation. But I just wanted to thank Julia for absolutely breaking my brain. I had never considered it in this much depth before. And partly because we were reading it so slowly, it gave me a lot of time to consider every single one of Crouch Moody's actions. Yeah. Which was unpleasant. I think we talked about this a little bit more in depth in the episode that uh, is now non-existent. But like when you actually examine his behavior, like he teaches, he teaches Harry to resist the imperious curse. Like it is because of his teaching that Harry beats Voldemort. And there is no reason for him. There was no reason for him to like focus on Harry in that way. Like he could be teaching the imperious curse like people every the class to teach it to resist it because he whatever thinks that's what moody would do or he could teach none of them to resist it like a villain would do crouch is if you think about crouch being the teacher crouch is making the syllabus for this class crouch has decided to teach unforgivable curses or teach the resistance of the unforgivable curses which is probably not a thing that the real moody would do 
No. And so there's another example of a, a time that another character could be like, this is a strange thing for Moody to do. You want to talk True. about when Moody is Crouch. Crouch literally broke the imperious curse he was under. Yeah. So he does actually have lived experience of this. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And maybe it's the only thing he knows how to teach. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> um, that's true. But one of the things that we talked about is like, right, like Crouch tortured Neville's parents. Why would he be kind to Neville? Also, yeah. why would he be able to teach years one through seven? For an entire year and no one notices that he's not acting like me. Yeah. You know, as far as we can tell, he's doing a good job at it. Yeah. Like, he has syllabi and exams and written homework assignments for years one through seven at multiple, like, scaffolded levels. Are you kidding? Yeah. Anyway. And he, you know, we know that he takes an interest in Harry because he's manipulating the tournament results, but it's, I don't know. Um, I would like to apologize to Zach and anyone else who was frustrated by Zoe and I censoring ourselves. Yeah. <laughs> Don't worry, y'all. I was there, too. It will be less of an issue moving forward. And if there is something like a brainworm again, we can uh, discuss Tweet amongst me in... and Zoe. No, well, also, Zoe and I can just discuss a better way to talk about it that's more clear to people who have read the books and still not clear to E. Tweet yes. it in, in Route 13 and I just... Yeah, we can tweet it in Route 13, for instance. Something that's where true. you could, like, go and translate it, but E wouldn't necessarily see it. Luckily, there's a lot fewer of these big mysteries yeah. that aren't a mystery in future books. But yeah, that was not particularly kind of us. Uh, so we do apologize, especially if you haven't read the book recently. But yeah, it was Crouch. I feel like it doesn't work as well if someone's impersonating a character from the moment you meet that character. Mm -hmm. Because aside from like one comment by Arthur Weasley, we don't get a sense of who Moody was. Yeah, beforehand. That's a good point. I mean, that's usually how impersonation plots go, is that they do a bad job at it. You meet the actual character, and then it goes kind of poorly. Yeah. And they get unmasked or not. This definitely feels like J.K.R. just came up with that plot Oh, yeah. at the end. She was like, oh, Voldemort needed an agent. Uh. <laughs> yeah. The next question is also from Julia, which is two questions. What is the biggest plot hole of this book, and how would you fix it? Uh, let's answer that one first, and then we'll ask the second one. Oh, boy. Does anyone Crouch. have an answer for this one? I mean, yeah, Crouch, yeah, is, Crouch is the biggest is plot hole. Is like, it's not a plot hole, per se. It's just badly done. Yeah. I know that there was a plot hole that I mentioned as we were reading as one that bothered me, but I can never remember it unless I'm actively reading it. Yeah. I mean, we talked about, like, the time stuff with Harry being transported away by the cup and then coming back. I actually think this book is a little tighter uh, in terms of plot holes. There aren't a lot of plot holes. There's a it's lot of just plot a, It's a lot of plot. It's just a messy plot. Mess. <laughs> the biggest plot mess that I would fix is just, like, the Voldemort story completely disappearing for 80% of the book. Mm -hmm. I think also one that we talked about at length and we'll have to continue talking about is Hermione's activism. Which is not a plot hole. It's just but a, it is a mess. Like at all. It's just a mess. Yeah. Also, um, I would add a little bit more to Hermione and Crumb's relationship. Which actually leads directly into Julia's other question, which is, which is the best canon couple in this book and do you ship them? I did ask Julia a clarifying question is like, canon couple meaning what? And Julia clarified at least one date. So like Neville yeah. and Ginny count because they went on a date, for instance. And then you also have some other ones in there. So uh, E. Hermione and Crumb. I think, I mean, we talked about the age issues. Yeah. I think that's solvable. I don't know how you fix Crumb is both a schoolboy and a professional athlete. I think the answer is just don't make him a professional athlete. Like, people follow college sports also. Yeah. But like I said before, professional athletes can also be in high school sometimes, so. Yeah. See, Canadian hockey. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. like, I there are ways to do that so it's not weird. I'm, I'm evaluating this on what it could have been and not what it is. But I think what it is is also pretty all right. 
they're a good compatible couple in a lot of ways. Mine is uh, Hagrid and Madame Maxime. Ooh, also good. I like them. We don't get to see a lot of, but we don't get to see a lot of anybody's relationships. So (laughs) I think that theirs is good. Mine is Fred and Angelina. Oh, good point. Also good. They're, They're great. They're great. I wish we had just gotten the tournament and relationship development book. Yeah. <laughs> no Voldemort. <laughs> I know that's not where the series is headed. And she needed to pivot to yeah. like the darker stuff. But that is where she's strongest pretty clearly. And it's frustrating that there's a lot of loose threads. I, w- I totally forgot about Fred and Angelina. And I think... You would change your answer. If I'm talking about the best, the best one, I would call that the best one. Yeah, like yeah. I still, I still love Hagrid and Madame Maxime, but I wouldn't say that in this book that it, they are the best couple. I have a very boring answer, also, which is that Cedric and Cho actually make a great couple. Yeah, they're very like popular kids who are also very nice mm-hmm. couple. Like everybody knew that couple at some point in their lives, high school, college, whatever, who were like the really popular kids who were also so sweet and like took time for other people and weren't the the popular kid stereotype. They are the like quintessential prom king, prom queen, but also very nice. And it's it's quite sad to see what happens with Cho's character and also to see Cedric fridged. Yeah. Yeah. JKR just completely destroys this one sort of in one fell swoop. And I find that very sad because actually they're a really cute couple and it's a little depressing. Can I give a couple of honorable mentions? Yeah. Honorable mention, Harry and Cedric. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Not canon in any sense of the word, but a very important relationship. Very important relationship, indeed. Uh, Honorable unmention, Ron and Hermione. Yeah. Okay. Uh I don't know if my opinion will change on that. We, We shall see. But we'll see. Shout out to Lofty for sending us some thick wrecks. I have not read them. I will admit that I went to my AO3 and saw that I had clicked on one of these. So clearly <laughs> I was interested in one. But Lofty on Tumblr sent us a, a great couple of thick wrecks um, talking about arithmancy, which we had talked about early on in the books um, as like, what the fuck is arithmancy? Um, which is just magic math. Divination math. Divination <laughs> math. Even though JKR so clearly wants it to be like physics. Um, I was like, is it physics or is it numerology? (laughs) Yeah, and the answer is, in history, it's numerology. And for JKR, it's physics. So Lofty says, uh, two recommendations, The Arithmancer by White Squirrel, which is a retelling of the books with a math prodigy Hermione. Um, And then Where No Shadows Fall by Savic 13, which is an AU where Hermione goes back in time. So one is looking at the physics sort of mathy one, and then this one is doing arithmancy as divination. And uh, Lofty also adds, arithmancy is telling the future and is done by floating in magical anti-gravity chambers because hell yeah. So nice. Uh, We will put the links to both of these in the show notes if you are interested in reading them. We haven't read them, but Lofty really recommends them. So thank you, Lofty. Shout out. Uh, We got several questions about the tournament. First one is from Q. If the three of you were the three wizards competing in the Triwizard Tournament, who would win each event? So I assume that, th- that this is the Triwizard Tournament in the book that we it's are The one from the text, yeah. Okay, who, first of all, who's the best swimmer among us? Does anyone swim? I am not athletic. I do. I feel like I Zoe's can. gonna... Yeah, Zoe wins every turn, <laughs> every <laughs> task. Okay, task one. How, how would you get past the dragon? See, now we have to go down the entire rabbit hole of, like, what am I good at in magic? (laughs) I would distract the dragon by becoming its friend, and... Oh, this is, like, a long game. Yes. You're playing a long game here. I see. I see. And uh, entertaining it with my cool charms, because I've always thought the charms would be my best uh, magic. I think with the dragon, I would wear an invisibility cloak. Hmm. I would buy one. They probably can smell you. That's fine. <laughs> I will. I have potion pheromones I can like leave around. But I would probably do some combination of like leave some potion pheromones, do a distraction, and wear an invisibility cloak. Mine would probably be some sort of charm. You know, whether that be like, I would probably try something like to immobilize or distract 
stun or whatever. Say that Adela wins this one. <laughs> yeah, that's. My I know guess. it's the long game, but it's also the most humane. I want to be friends with the dragon and not upset or hurt the dragon. <laughs> Do either of you swim and or dive? I hate being deep underwater. I like I love swimming. I hate being deep underwater. So I think I would opt out of this t- this task. I have not been in a pool in like five years. Although, if I could use gillyweed, that would be that was like one of my deepest wishes as a child was like to be able to breathe underwater. So, if gillyweed was an option, I would do that. If I had figured out a way to breathe underwater. I think I will be fine. I'm just not very athletic. I did take swimming lessons as a child and did grow up swimming in a very large lake called Lake Michigan. However, I developed a severe fear of diving and not being able to quickly come up for air when I was like seven. So Mm. I think I would actually be the floor in this one where I would like not be able to make it very far. Um, I would probably be able to complete this one. I don't know how I would deal with (laughs) Yeah, I think E wins this one. I don't know how I would deal with the mermaids, but like, whatever. I mean, you're not going to be Harry and think that you need to collect all of the... I mean, I might. (laughs) If I had also been led to believe that they would all die. Yeah, that's fair. (laughs) Who would be your hostage? All right, last task. I would immediately just reducto my way through every hedge. (laughs) Uh, so I'm winning this one. Zoe wins this one by cheating. I guess yeah, not- there's no rules here. There's no it's rules. It's just That's get true. to the end. And Harry does reducto his way through one hedge. You just have to do it through all of the hedges. I was going to say, whichever one of us has a Quidditch broom can just oh, yeah. eat. <laughs> That's such a good point. Which would be Zoe because she's... I would, yeah. I would either do fly over or go through... Um, and also, it would transport me then to the graveyard, at which point I would put down the cup and pick it back up again and leave. <laughs> um, so I win the Triwizard Tournament. Thank you all very much for playing. Congratulations. But we all leave with something. E has new merpeople friends. Adela has a new dragon friend. And I'm wanted by Voldemort. So we're all good. <laughs> can't believe Zoe is Harry Potter. <laughs> Uh, from Morgan, similar question. We're in charge of the 2022 Triwizard Tournament. The Olympics are now the Triwizard Tournament. The games are no longer deadly or traumatizing. And each of you is to design one challenge. What challenge do you design? So we had this question from several different people. We also had the question from Lofty. If you were designing tasks in a highly dangerous magical contest for children, which ideas would you pick? And then someone else also answered or asked this question, yeah, we lost, right? But we lost, asked, but we lost yeah, one. one. I'm... 100% sure that somebody else. Yeah, I guess pick pick a dangerous or a, or a safe. I think similar tasks can be made perilous or not. That's mm-hmm. true. That's true. As a former camp counselor, I would like to propose my favorite task from our end of camp competitions. We always had three groups and I was there was a counselor per group right so you were in charge of whoever's group it was a big tournament there was a a water slide full of mustard it was a whole thing um (laughs) and one of the tasks tasks one of the challenges that I genuinely always loved was the do a fashion show but all you have is a butcher roll full of paper because it was so much fun yeah But I actually think that something along those sort of more practical lines of like design something using your magic and not necessarily judged on fashion, but judged on like skill, wearability, that kind of thing. There's like this is the tournament as it is, is like pure strength. Like even with the dragon, it's pure strength. How fast can you move? while also doing an intellectual thing. Um, how fast can you swim? Like, those kinds of things. I am surprised that Zoe, the lover of all of the sports in these books, I know. has chosen to do not a sport. <laughs> well, I think that, like, there's too much sport. You heard it here first, everyone. <laughs> <laughs> Zoe said there's too much sport. There's too much sport. <laughs> um, I think that, like, you're designing a challenge for 
the best and the brightest of each school, why is there not an intellectual yeah, or, that is or a very, like more yeah. practical challenge? So I'm, I'm going for like, it's a magical tournament. So probably not like fashion wire out of butcher paper, but like design a house or nice. create one of those like tents that's bigger on the inside that you saw for like a design challenge, like for the, not that JK or whatever this, but like for the homeless populations, like one of yeah. those more like, practical application challenges is is what i would do to be clear i think your idea is wonderful i was just surprised that you didn't yeah do a sport related thing <laughs> if you needed to how would you make this challenge perilous <laughs> oh um you then have to survive in it while keeping up all the magic Ooh. okay so like if it's a build your own thing you you gotta live in it um or if it's a wear your own thing then like you gotta wear it <laughs> let's see i'm I would want mine to be more of a traditional sport challenge, but Dang, because okay. it is a wizarding tournament, I would want it to be like something that actually required the creative and, you know, intelligent use of magic. I feel like the first and second tasks in the book don't really, you have to figure out how to get past the dragon, but that's like one thing. You know, it's not a... And same with the second task, right? Like, how do you breathe underwater? Figure out how to breathe underwater. That's, like, one question. So something that's, like, a progressive series of challenges where, like, you know, you, you have to succeed at the first one to get to the second one, and you have to succeed at the second one to get to the third one, and then you need your knowledge from the first three to do the final one. Yeah. So you want to build, like, a Zelda shrine. Yeah, essentially. Perfect. Excellent. I love it. Like the things that Harry and Ron and Hermione had to do in the first book. That is literally what I'm thinking of. Yeah. That gauntlet is a more interesting tournament than mm -hmm. several of these tasks. And there's some inherent danger in just like designing something in that mode. Yeah. Nice. So we picked the perfect day to do this recording because I played a game of Bife Do Crimes this morning. Nice. Which you can buy at... Oh, we can, you can buy it wilderflower.itch.io. Um, but we're doing a like long form game, so we've had like we've been playing for three sessions so far, and we're doing a sports anime. But it's basically the Fey realms have crashed into the mortal realm, and they're just like in the middle of their Fey Olympics, and now everyone's just has to do Fey Olympics because that's just what's happening in the world now. Nice. Um, so we've been having a lot of fun coming up with the very dangerous and ridiculous sports that they have to do i don't think that if i was genuinely trying to make a sport for a hogwarts event it would not be as ridiculous as the sports we were creating for this game but for example this morning we were doing ice skating capture the flag on a skate park made of ice with five different teams nice so i was thinking something uh, along the lines of capture the flag but the flags are hidden behind magical obstacles so you have to like compete against the other players to collect the object but uh use your magical yeah. knowledge to get past the barriers yeah that's an interesting point because none of the tasks in the book nor zoe's nor mine actually put the challengers against each other yeah, yeah. they're all individual it's all it's it's either individual or it's like time-based which is not the same thing as like them directly like competing against each other. I yeah. had a second small idea also inspired by Faye Sports Anime, which uh, is more related to the second task. We did a triathlon on tandem bikes uh, to, to rescue someone who had been kidnapped. And I feel like we could do a triathlon on tandem brooms to rescue a hostage from some <laughs> type of flying vehicle. And that would be very dangerous. Yeah. It wouldn't really involve a lot of magic except for like, defense and offense magic to be to get there first and to to, yeah. just to rescue the whoever the hostage is but yeah anyway um those are my ideas i like the capture the flag idea better for this we are going to skip zig's question actually until the very end because there's a trivia the question end. based around this so zig we will come back to your question in a hot second thank you everybody for your questions we will be watching book four movie soon so if you have questions about the movie and adaptation and stuff like that 
such as why is their hair so long? Please send it in. <laughs> oh my goodness. Um, I totally forgot about that part of it. God, I know. I, I look forward to whatever that is about. All right. Trivia. Uh, e, we have some questions for you. Yeah. I, as is tradition, I have not devoted a single brain cell to preparing for this. <laughs> Amazing. Excellent. Perfect. I don't remember any of the questions that I'm supposed Just to have Just what we want time. and expect. I haven't looked at the book. I don't know a goddamn thing. Do you want to start, Zoe? Sure. It's a two-part question. What is Crouch's first name and what is Moody's first name? Crouch's first name is Bartimius, which is not a name. <laughs> uh-huh. Moody's first name is Alistor, and it's also not a real name. Correct. Yeah, both of them are spelled incorrectly. Yes. Which, I mean, she makes up a lot of names, so I don't think that's yeah. the, the biggest issue. The problem for me is just that they're so close to real names. Mm -hmm. I know. Uh, question two. What was the score of the Quidditch World Cup and which teams played? Oh, my God. Uh, it was Ireland versus Bulgaria. Mm -hmm. Uh-huh. I do not know the score. That's valid. I didn't until Zoe put it in. I, yeah, that's, it was a mean question. Out of curiosity, do you remember why and who won? I remember that the twins bet was one team gets the snitch, but the other team wins. But I don't remember which. I do not remember which was which. Okay. Uh, Ireland won over Bulgaria. Okay. Yeah. But it was... 160 Bulgaria to 170 Ireland. Sure. <laughs> In case you were wondering. The next question. Who did Neville take to the Yule Ball? Ginny, right? We did just talk about this. We did just talk about this. And that's actually a, a pretty common fandom pairing. Number four. One of the most important questions, only because we have asked it many times. What are the full names of Draco's cronies? <laughs> I still don't know. <laughs> We saw their dads. Yep. I think we saw their dads more than we saw them. Yeah, I don't think they showed up in this book very much, other than on the train at the end. Yeah, we're on the train. Um, Maybe at the beginning. It's uh, Vincent Crabb and Gregory Goyle. And they probably didn't even say their first names, Correct. I would imagine. We should maybe take this question off of our thing, because... Unless, unless we like notice, it's a good joke. But we'll check, like we'll check as we're reading in. next time, if they're actually reading, if they actually say the first names in the book, then we'll ask that question. Yeah. Otherwise, it's not fair. You might get a reprieve. Um, what lesson did Harry have the dream in? It was in um, divination. Yes, that is correct. I don't remember the lesson topic. Neither do I. Planetary movements. Oh, yeah, I wanted that. I wanted that The model. floating planet thing. Mm -hmm. Yeah. What is the answer to the Sphinx's riddle? Spiders. Yeah. We did and... some pretty easy questions this time. <laughs> Dumb riddle. This, this next one might trip you up, though. Are you ready? Yeah. What's the name of the next book? I do not know. Hey. Okay, here, let me see if I can name the remaining three books. Okay. We've got... Deathly Hallows is the last one. Mm -hmm. We've got Half Blood Prince, and we've mm -hmm. got Order of the Phoenix. There you go. You got it. I don't know which one is five. Oh, of those, <laughs> like of those two, I don't know which is five and which is six. Do you want to take a, a guess? I think that Half Blood Prince is five. Incorrect. Dang it. Order of the Phoenix is the next one. On that note, from Zig. Hey, E, what do you think the next book is about based on the title, Harry Potter and the Order of the Phoenix? Oh, is the quiz done? Yes, yep, that the quiz was the is done. Quest. Sorry. Okay. <laughs> Congratulations. You got about half correct. Yeah, that sounds about right. You know, I always tank my, my score by not giving any of my brain to remembering those guys' first names. Yeah. <laughs> the Order of the Phoenix. I am guessing based on how this book ended. Like, I would not have been able to tell you this when we started. I would not have had this concrete of a guess because this book I know nothing about. Like, five through seven is a mystery to me. Excellent. I am guessing that this is something about characters that we already know or who we're about to meet who were in this 
order during the first, you know, Voldemort's first uprising as a defense force. That is what that sounds like. That is a very good guess. Good guess. Also, it's going to be extremely about Dumbledore. <laughs> also a very good guess. Yep. <laughs> Always a good guess. J.K. Our favorite character. Um, also, just look forward to that for the rest of the books because yeah, yeah I was going to say I could they're probably, all extremely about Dumbledore. I could probably just say this that um, I was listening back to what I predicted book four was going to be in our book three wrap up. Can you read those predictions for us? Yes, here's what I said last time. I don't know what the Goblet of Fire is, but I know that one puts one's name in it, and that that is the incorrect choice. Ding, ding, ding. Got it. (laughs) I was surprised, honestly, that the Goblet of Fire was such an inconsequential object. Yeah. I would have thought it was going to be, like, also the cup prize, but no, it's just a... It's just how you decide the competitors. It's because she makes the Triwizard Tournament a secret. Otherwise, she could have called it Harry Potter and the Triwizard Tournament. Yeah. Yeah. Which is a clunky title. So I see why she did Yeah, because Goblet did. of Fire really rolls off the tongue. I mean, it's interesting. I didn't know whether it was an inter-school competition. I said I did not know what the conflict of the book is. Presumably Voldemort is involved. I stand ding, by ding, that. Ding. <laughs> Still don't know what the conflict of the book was. And I remembered that there was a dude played by Robert Pattinson. Who is Cedric. Who is Cedric. Pretty on mark. Like, completely all accurate. Like, I could not have predicted the Voldemort plot in the way that it shook out. Mm -hmm. But it, on the whole, didn't surprise me. Do you have any other predictions for book five? Like, school-wise or? I'm still waiting for Horcruxes to show up. I'm surprised every book we go further into this series and that isn't a thing that we know about. Mm-hmm. Because of how much I heard about that as like a fandom outsider, I assumed that was the plot of the series. Wow, okay. Interesting. Like maybe the B plot of the series. That's fascinating. We will ha- have a lot to talk about that in book six. Anyway. Yeah. Hmm. I shouldn't have said that. Okay. <laughs> it's not it's that fine. it doesn't show up until then. It's that show it shows up throughout the series. It's just that's yeah, the first I mean, time like, we hear the word I is it. Like last time, so. But like I'm pretty sure we've seen one already. The word itself gets defined in book six. Yeah. So that's that's a surprise to me. Mm. That that has not been an ongoing I mean, I can sort of see why, like now that I know the sort of structure of the series. Yeah. I'm also surprised that it's getting dark as late as it is. Like, I'm surprised that book four is the pivot and not, like, book three. And book three could have been the pivot, right? Book three could have been. Book two could have been. Yeah, book two was dark. And book three, I mean, we talked a lot about, like, the justice system and Sirius and, like... Book three is dark in looking at the problems of the wizarding world. Yeah. yeah. But also the escape of Wormtail. Like, you could have even had the events of the end of book four happen in the background of book four without the big end of tournament, just like Voldemort is back and he's on the rise. Yeah. And have the pivot point be end of book three, early book four, rather than what she did here where it's end of book four. Um, it is late. There's only three really dark books. Yeah, which is interesting. It is right in the middle of the series. So. I can see why it's here and not book three. Yeah, it's still a YA, young YA. Yeah, the age of the characters and like what this plot is compared to that plot. On that note, um, there's some rankings that we made Time for at rankings. the end of book three. Should I start or do you want me I think to go have last? changed. I think E should start. E, what was your previous ranking? My previous ranking was book three first, then one, then two. Mm -hmm. I stand by that. I was thinking about this before we started recording, like debating on where I want to put four, because I appreciate that the two of you like it a lot. And I can see what this book could have been for me. Like I could have liked this book a lot, but ranking it on the actual experience that I had... And 
how I actually feel about it as a self-contained book, it's going to go at the end. Three, one, two, four. Yeah. Wow. Worse than book two for me. Hot damn. I really struggled with that. Like I almost put it second. If I was ranking this based on what I wanted this book to be and like what it could have been with a little bit of editing. Well, not a little bit, a lot of editing, (laughs) but like smart editing. Yeah. It would have gone three, four, one, two. Wow. Dang. But that's not what this book is. And that's not the experience I had. Um, I'm going to go next because my answer is going to be short. And I think Adela is going to have some wrangling with her <laughs> rankings. Mm-hmm. Um, I was trying to decide what, whether or not I was going to move four. So currently, my rankings are four, three, five, one, seven, six, two. And I was trying to decide if I should move four. And mm-hmm. I was thinking about how I thought about book one and how I thought about book two and my reaction at the end of book three and my frustration with like the plot hole in book three of all sorts of different things that frustrated me so much, but I still felt was like a great mystery opener for the rest of the series. Three has a lot more frustrating plot holes yes. than four. But I have some issues with five, six, and seven that are different than this. Well, I'll tell you what my rankings are now. My rankings haven't changed. <laughs> um, uh-huh. For the fourth book in a row, my rankings will stay four, three, five, one, seven, six, two. At the end of book three, I remember saying I didn't think my rankings were going to change because I love book four so much. And I was right. But the closer we get to book five, the more I think book five will actually change my rankings. Mm. Interesting. You think book five is going to rise? I think book five is going to rise, but I don't know how much. Depends on how well I argue my points about the thing I love about book five. (laughs) That is correct. Adela? Yeah. Uh, So my ranking was a complete surprise to me because I do not remember anything ever. Um, (laughs) But my ranking from the end of book three was five, seven, four, six, two, one, three. And the thing that surprised me the most was three because I didn't remember hating it that much. But you guys reminded me of the um, all the plot holes, and that was the reason why I had I had moved three to the end. Which I think if now now I if I remember correctly, I kind of was feeling drama about that um, moving it down a bit. Anyway, it has changed quite a bit. It sounds like book three was for you what book four was to me. It was just like. The plot is too frustrating for me to enjoy this. Yeah, that was kind of what happened with book three. Um, It has changed quite a bit. So the problem with me doing this is I have a very bad memory. um, And I can't remember (laughs) the reasons why I ranked things the way I did. So I'm very clear about the first few books in the ranking. The last few are going to be I'm not sure about. So I'll get to that. My first, uh, I still have five at the top. I still have seven second. Then I have six. So six has moved up, then one, and then I have three, four, two, because in my memory, I enjoyed reading book three, even though I had a lot of, like, we talked about all the plot holes stuff, and that made me move it down before. In my memory, I'm like, oh, I love, I had a lot of, like, I had a fun time reading book three and analyzing book three, and I did not have as much fun reading book four and analyzing book four. Mm -hmm. So I moved it down quite a bit, which means book four jumped down like three slots. Yeah, that's significant. Yeah, I don't like book four anymore. No. Uh, I, I I want to listen back to book two ending because uh, I don't know if it should be at the end still or what. I just don't remember that far back because that was a long time ago. Yeah. But yeah. I stand by five, seven, and six as my top three books. There wow. You go. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so I would like to just... For those of you who are not visual listeners, I don't know, you know what I mean. Like, can't picture <laughs> no- lists of numbers in your head. We will put these up on Twitter. Yes, both the before and after. Yes. Um, but I would like to point out that uh, for both of you, book four is either second to last or last. And for me, book four is still the top. Still at the beginning. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> You're valid. That, I mean, like what I was saying about book three, like, I had the same reaction to book three that I think 
you're having to book for, which is like, this is broken, but I love it. Exactly my reaction. Exactly. I think yeah. that's kind of why I moved book three back up because it's broken yeah. and I love it. Whereas book four yeah. is broken, but I hate it. So <laughs> book four is too, too broken for me. I mean, that makes sense. I do want to say uh, we did get uh, a ranking change. Um, so thank you to Adam who tweeted their ranking, who said that also book four dropped a couple rankings for them. Congratulations, Potternot. We have ruined the book four for everybody. <laughs> that is my secret agenda. I'm here to ruin all of your nostalgia. I uh, mean, that's kind of part of what we're doing as well as working through it. Part of working through it is sometimes ruining a lot of it. Yeah. Which is fine. Theory about why my rankings aren't changing, and I'd like to run it past you two. Sure. Okay. So when we were thinking of like adjectives to describe ourselves, the type of fan that we are, right? And the reason that we started the podcast is that um, Adela was going through what you termed Adela's Harry Potter Crisis 2019, I believe is what mm-hmm. it was called. That and um, Oh my God, has it been two years? It, yeah. it has. It sure has. And I remember because I did this independent study, And because of the degree that I have in library science and the focus that I was doing, which was young adult literature at the time, and sort of teen librarianships, I had sort of had the same kind of reckoning that Adela was going through a few years prior. Mm -hmm. And in like mm, 2013, 2014. And so when I was picking an adjective, I picked jaded. I think that the reason that my adjective hasn't changed and my rankings haven't changed is because exactly what Adela was just saying, right? Is that like, we are facing our nostalgia and facing the nostalgia of the fandom mm-hmm. for me and Adela and then for E, respectively. And I think for me, the reasons that my rankings haven't changed is that at this point, I couldn't give less of a fuck <laughs> about what the series <laughs> does, right? Uh-huh. I've, I've moved past that. I'm I, I'm writing on nostalgia and nostalgia alone because yeah. the series isn't what it was for me, but I remember what it was for me. And so because I'm jaded about the whole series, there's nothing for me to change, mm-hmm. if that makes sense. like yeah, No, that makes a lot of sense. And I think that I'm really fascinated to see how Adela and reading the series slowly changes my perspective of five and six. I have very different opinions about five and six. I hate book six. I always have. There's a reason it's second to last in my rankings. I find it extremely frustrating for so many reasons. And I think that book five is how Adela now sees book four. Is for me, it never, it like the nostalgia value isn't there anymore. And there's too many issues that I have with it, despite the fact that I remember loving it. Yeah. Um, can't wait to, to ruin book five for myself yeah. in our next season. So do you think that you're not the order of your rankings, but the start and end points of the scale have moved for you? Like, What do you mean by scale? Like four is your top book. Mm. Do you think that the definition of your favorite book, book has changed? Yes. It has changed from favorite to most nostalgic. Mm -hmm. I think that that's absolutely correct. Because if I look at my rankings, oh yeah, absolutely. I am absolutely the least nostalgic about book two, which as we talked about, like I could barely get through that movie. Right? Right. Like I, I. Yeah, you were just tuned, tuned out of that movie. Completely tuned out of that movie. And honestly, the book has never held up for me. I've always sort of hated it. And book six, I have a lot of similar problems with. And book seven, I was coming sort of out of my sort of fantasy. Like, there's less and less nostalgia as I go down my rankings. I think that it is no longer the book that I consider the best or the book that I think holds up the best or even my favorite, which I think is what I would have said my rankings were when we started this, is Mm -hmm. my favorite or the thing that I think held up the best. Because I don't think any of them hold up anymore. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so that's sort of out the window as a scale. And it's not that they're a favorite because they're not a favorite anymore. They haven't been a favorite for a long time. But they are a part of me. Um, I mean, there's a reason that I have 
the stars from the American editions are tattooed on my shoulders. I have the chapter art from where Harry goes and get his, gets his wand, where the, the spindly chair with the stack of wands on it, that is tattooed permanently on my body. And these books will forever hold a place in who I was and growing up as a child and yeah. reading them. And at the time, what they meant and what they meant to the community and how they changed literature and young adult literature forever. That's just fact. Yeah. Yeah. But because they no longer hold up and because I'm quite jaded about it, it is about what did this used to mean to me and can it still exhibit any more feeling from me, which is basically the definition of nostalgia. You're absolutely right. The scale has completely changed. Because that's what that's I was fair. like. I was thinking about this. I, and we've said this before. The only series that this sort of parallels with for me is Narnia, mm-hmm. which like those books never turn into YA. Those are children's books all the way through. Yeah, they're like high middle grade reader at best yeah yeah and i think if i were to go back and read those i haven't in like 10 years but if i were i think that i would have the same reaction that you're having which is what does it pull from me yeah i would feel you know they would compare similarly to each other but the Mm -hmm. scale would change entirely Mm -hmm. like the top book would no longer be something that i still like it would just be, I remember how I felt about this. Yeah. yeah. And I think that that's why I, you know, at the end of this book, I said I'm jaded but satisfied. Like, I'm not yeah. happy. I'm not excited. But there's a satisfaction in finishing the book. And there's a satisfaction in the nostalgia of finishing the book, right? Like, yeah, the nostalgia is satisfied and the mystery is satisfied. And I am satisfied that those feelings are there. I am excited because I really like, I actually really like the plots of book five, six, and seven. Mm. I know that there, like, there are so many problems, as in problematic problems in them, but the actual plots themselves, I love more than I probably love any of the other plots. Yeah, I'm excited. I think part of the reason that I wanted to do this whole project in the first place is that I wanted to get to this part of the series. Which is what I hear so many people like reflecting fondly on is like, oh, this series taught me about like how to stand up against social problems and activism and, Mm -hmm. you know, resisting authoritarianism and all of this like stuff. And I'm I I keep waiting for that to show up. That is a big reason why I love book five. Yeah. So look forward to that. You're you're really going to find a lot to get out of book five. And we are going to talk a lot about fandom in book five. Yeah. And I'm six. Excited. I'm excited. Yeah. I think for me, that's where it starts is book four. Is Harry sort of mm-hmm. observing, especially, you know, we hated the fudge outbursts at the end. But that's the first time that Harry stands up. He addresses fudge and he says, I was there. He's back. That's true. And that's, that's. That's the moment. Harry didn't do anything at the end of book three. Mm-hmm. He didn't no. confront anybody. No. But in book four, damaged and broken and full of PTSD, he sat up in bed and he said, hang on a minute. Harry and the gang stood up to, like, Snape, I think. Yes. But they always stand up to Snape. Yeah, that's. I think that's different than standing up to, like, the Minister for Magic. Right. It was like... It's about this person, not about, like, a broader issue. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, there's a lot to look forward to in this series. Maybe when the series is over, we'll share some of our favorite fics and see if we want to do some, some, some fic reviews. That would be fun. Reviews. Then I'll be the one who has never read anything. <laughs> oh, that's right. Well, neither of Zoe, you. Yeah, Zoe will be the only one who has read them. I'm going to make you read... A 400,000 word fic. Oh my fic. god. No, I probably, I don't think I have any 400,000 word fix, but there will be some, um, some great dreary fix that we will read. <laughs> uh, um, anyway. I look forward to those characters interacting again. There wasn't a yeah. lot in this book. No, don't worry. Don't worry. Yep. There's, yep. Oh yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. yeah. Book six. <sighs> <laughs> I was surprised that you hate book six so much when <laughs> oh, I know I know book six we'll get to it <laughs> e, you want to know where dreary comes from it comes from the fact that they're automatically rivals but you want to know where dreary really comes from it comes, comes from, from book, book six, six. it uh-huh. absolutely comes from book six and parts of book seven but like 
Ooh, do it come from book six? Well, I look forward to getting there once we finish book five in four years. That's right. <laughs> the longest book. Um, before we close out, uh, I did say that I would say something about being Harry Potter. And this will provide some context to maybe how I feel about book five and some of the nostalgia that I have for it or lack thereof. We will see. When I was 13, 14, I was in an improv troupe, actually all through high school. I, it was called the Underage Sugar Addicts. We performed at a variety of places in Chicago. And when I was 13, I cut off all my hair. I had a pixie cut and I wore glasses. I was a huge Harry Potter nerd. Um, and I dressed fairly androgynously at the time. And my improv troupe did a running sketch that we did with like, we took suggestions from the audience and like incorporated them into the running sort of sketch, which is a lot of how improv works, right? Mm -hmm. That was Harry Potter plot. So Harry Potter and the audience suggestion. What's one of the teachers and what do they teach? That kind of thing. Uh -huh. And I played Harry. Um, nice. So for probably a solid year or year and a half, uh, basically until my hair grew out, I was hairy one to two nights a month, maybe even more often than that. I would love to see 13-year-old Zoe being Harry in an improv say, show. I would love to see that so much. I would pay money to see that. <laughs> I loved it. I wonder if the, I'll try and scrape up some photos. Um, I know a yes, couple of please. other folks who may have some photos. Uh, and obviously, if I find them, I have no shame. I will post them to the Twitter. If not, I happen to know that I do have a photo of myself at 13. So at least you can see what I would have looked like playing Harry. Um, but we had black robes and hats and did the scar <laughs> on the forehead and whole nine yards. This this really contextualizes Harry Potter is my favorite character for you. Yeah. <laughs> Harry Potter is my favorite character and has always been. I have always been, other people have been like, oh, you're such a Hermione. And like, you're not wrong. I, you know, I'm very intellectual and all these, I'm a librarian. But like, Harry's always been my, he's my boy. Were the books even finished by then? Oh, no. No. Okay. This was like 2003, 2004 when book five came okay. out. Yeah. Um, yeah. So this was the height of the craze, right? So the first movie wow. was out. Actually, three of the movies were out at that time because I was the same age as Emma Watson and she was 13 when the third movie mm. came out. Uh, three of the movies were out, five of the books were out, and I was playing Harry in various improv places in chicago as a 13 14 year old girl with a pixie cut and androgynous clothing and a big voluminous black robe beautiful that's so good that's... And on that note <laughs> yep <laughs> <laughs> on that note if you have cosplay of yourself especially as an awkward teen or preteen that you are willing to share with us you can dm myself or adela on twitter we will not share e. it if you do not want it to be shared or e Yes, this is not spoilers. You can DM any of us yeah, on Twitter. Yeah, send your cosplay to me. Um, okay. We would love to see them. We won't share them unless you say that you can share them. But, like, I will share mine if I can find it. Um, this is, like, peak Harry Potter that we're walking into. E has a good point about, like, the timing there. So send us your cosplays. We'd love to see them. Sweet. We did it. We finished we did the book. It. We did we it. finished the wrap-up. I have been Adela. You can find me on Twitter at Aredel, A-R-E-D-H-E-L underscore underscore. And you can buy the games that I write at wilderflower.itch.io. I'm Zoe. You can find me on Twitter at Zoe Topaz, Z-O-E-T-O-P-A-Z. And buy my book, Ostentatious, The Evolving World of Jane Austen Fans. Wherever books are sold, send me your cosplays. <laughs> <laughs> and I am E. You can find me on Twitter at C-E-L-1-0-E. You can find the show at Potternot on Twitter and Tumblr. You can find more music by Morgan Jackson, who made our theme music at we did the time warp again .bandcamp.com. We will also be linking the uh, fanfics that Lofty recommended in the show notes. And our next episode will be the fourth movie. Yeah, that will be fun. It will be very fun. It's a very fun movie. If you have comments or questions about like the adaptation and what we think of it, Send them to us. We'll address them as we go. Yeah. Book five should be about the same number of episodes as book four, believe it or not. Many. Many. Many, many. <laughs> Which is many. <laughs> uh, 18 months worth is the answer there. Oh um, my goodness. How did we do book four so fast? I feel like it was not 18. It was... Anyway. <laughs> Thank Bye. you all for listening. Bye. <laughs> Thank you.
but seriously, how did we do book four so fast? I know. Didn't we how start many? it in the fall, like September? It wasn't that fast. But it wasn't 18 months. It hasn't even been a year. 13. It was 13 episodes. Yeah, that's not 18 months. September, October, November, December, January, February, March, April, May. Oh, I just can't count. (laughs) (laughs) I've got outtakes for this episode. (laughs) Where everyone's like, wait a second. Did Zoe just say 18 months? That doesn't make sense. (laughs) It was nine months. It was nine months. We gestated this baby. (laughs) Great. (laughs) Beautiful. (laughs) Goodbye.